This is the Unsuitable Podcast. I'm Mary B. Seyfert, a communicator, creator, and coach passionate about filling the gap between what the church offers and what single Christians need. Each episode this season, we're going to explore what it looks like to form deep relationships as people who aren't married. This week, you're going to hear from Anna Marie Reed. Anna Marie is a native of Portland, Oregon, but has lived in Atlanta for the past 15 years. She is the author of Through the Cleanness of Our Hands, A Foundation for Intercession. She's been active in deep wound healing and deliverance prayer ministry for the past five years. Anna Marie's passion is seeing people set free by the Holy Spirit. In this episode, you'll hear Anna Marie talk about her involvement in deep healing prayer, how she was able to forgive and heal from past hurts, the three components of forgiveness, and why we need to release the wrongs that have been done to us. Before we hear from Anna Marie, I want to take just a minute to tell you about the awesome company Unsuitable is partnering with this season. As singles, sometimes it's easy to feel like the redheaded stepchildren of the church, which is exactly why I partnered with Rise of the Gingers to help sponsor this episode of Unsuitable. Rise of the Gingers is a t-shirt and accessory company made just for the 2%, the wrongfully alleged as soulless and often freckle-involved ginger folks out there. If you're a ginger or know a ginger, head to riseofthegingers.com. Don't forget, this can also make the perfect gift. Use code UNSUITABLE10 for 10% off your order at riseofthegingers.com. Rise of the Gingers is created by gingers for gingers. You will not find better redhead swag anywhere else. Again, use code UNSUITABLE10 for 10% off your entire purchase. All right. Here's my conversation with Anna Marie. Hi, Anna Marie. Hi, Mary B. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Anna Marie, I would love for you to start us off by just telling us a little bit about yourself. <laughs> I live in one of the suburbs of Atlanta. I live in Decatur, where it's greater. And <laughs> I'm just thankful to be living life, kingdom life, living life in Christ every day. I'm just grateful and amazed at how good life can be as we surrender to him, how much meaning and purpose it brings to our lives. I am very thankful also to be involved with a ministry called Deep Healing Ministries Atlanta. And the primary focus is healing, but there's a very necessary deliverance component to it. And I love to see people get free Mm. and it's always exciting and it's always different. Yeah. Would you share a little bit more about how you, how you got into that? Yes. It's a little detailed. We love it. We're here (laughs) for all of the details. When I was really young, like grade school, I would have horrible night terrors about demons Mm. (laughs) and I didn't know, you know, how that would play out or any thought that it would play out or anything in my life. But as I started uh, maturing as a Christian, I knew that deliverance was something I wanted to get into. And I felt like it tied in with those dreams because I would be fighting them in my dreams, Mm. be fighting demons in my dreams. My parents sent me to a psychologist and that helped because I learned that I could wake myself up. Um, And as I became a Christian, I learned how to pray my way out of those dreams. It kind of scared me. It's like, Lord, I really want this. I believe it's a desire from you. 
And he confirmed that in many ways, but it still kind of scared me because of how the movies portray it. And there's no healing component in movies and the dramatic presentations. And that is the key element. So then at the church I was attending, they asked me to start prayer ministry. And the church had a school of ministry attached to it. So it seemed like the perfect scenario, but it really never got off the ground. One of the teachers at the school of ministry, she wanted to do some training in prayer ministry. And that really turned out to be crucial. And while I was in that training, some people came and dropped off a couple of scholarships to go to another training for a deep healing and deliverance ministry. And that's kind of where it all started. Nancy said, I'm not going to this. If you would like to go, here's the tickets. And I went and when I first got there, I was like, this is kind of weird. And I just prayed and the Lord showed me these like 12 foot angels surrounding the whole room. And it was everything that I could hope for. And I was so excited not only to receive the ministry, but to become part of it. And I think that was in 2014. Yeah, it was October 2014. And I've been part of it ever since. I'm interested to hear about, you know, as you've been working in this like deliverance and healing prayer ministry space, if you've had maybe like teammates, for lack of a better word, mm -hmm. co-laborers maybe, who've joined with you in this ministry and what, what those relationships have been like, specifically with the people who've been like working with you in this. I mean, there's some of the most valuable friendships that I have. Mm -hmm. The lady that introduced me, Nancy, that was a psychologist, well, she still is, and started the initial training about the healing part. I asked her if she would like to get together once a week or pray over the phone once a week over her ministry. And she didn't really respond, which I thought was odd, but she was thinking about it. She says, well, I have another friend that I, you two are the only two that I know that are committed to prayer like you are. And would you pray over the ministry with her? And I'll just send you guys a list or we can talk about it on the phone. And so that was probably seven or eight years ago. And we prayed together for probably six years consistently. And we still do, but it's our schedules just don't allow for a consistent time. And we are very dear friends now. And her husband is a psychiatrist. So the team that I work with, I introduced my friend Cecile and her husband to the people, the founders of Deep Healing Ministries Atlanta. Hmm. And so now if there is follow-up care needed psychologically, we have someone to refer them to. So ministry grows and relationships grow. There's another lady on the team that I'm pretty close with. And we pray once a week with another friend of mine over her endeavors. I would love for you to tell me about a time where you experienced deep connection and deep friendship or deep relationship. It doesn't have to be a friendship, but a time where you as a single person really felt like I am experiencing a deep robust, healthy relationship? I think the core of that would be with my earthly father, my earthly mm -hmm. dad, and just the security and complete acceptance that was there that I received from him and hopefully gave to him. And it wasn't always that way. There was a lot of heartache and process to that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, the 
acceptance and someone knowing my history and still loving and thinking I'm great and wonderful. <laughs> yeah, the, the most substantial would be with my dad. And I did lose him a few years ago. So could you just give us a little bit more context for that, how that relationship evolved over time? I don't know all of my dad's history. He wouldn't talk about it very much, but experience, I think he alienated a lot of his family. I think there was quite a bit of mental illness, also some trauma. His mm. birth mother died in childbirth with younger brother. And I did not know about this until I was 17. And the younger brother was given up for adoption. And my dad was raised by his aunt, his aunt. So I'm sure that had a lot to do play into his kind of lack of ability to connect. Okay. My dad worked full-time, highly educated, worked full-time and went to school full-time, three or four masters and bachelors and was working on a doctorate. <laughs> um, wow. Even into his mid-70s. Wow. So he loved education was his job. School was his job. Let's see. When my parents divorced... It nearly institutionalized my dad. He said he was going to go into a hospital, but he never mm. did. And he wasn't specific about mental health care. You know, we didn't talk about those type of things at, at that time. And mm. I was really young and probably couldn't wrap my mind around it. But I felt very rejected by him. And he was mm. pretty manipulative and did some really cruel things emotionally, not justifying it, but... I believe now he was just trying to protect himself mm. or fear of failure at being a dad. And I went to a Christian counselor in my neighborhood and I only saw him once and I didn't even go to that church. <laughs> but he said, you are expecting your dad to love you in a way that he is not capable of. Mm. Um, and he asked me first if there was any physical or sexual abuse, which there was not. And that really set me free. He said, you're going to have to forgive him and accept him where he's at, essentially. I don't remember his exact words. And I went home, and I don't know if it was one hour or one day or several days. It feels like it was several days. But I just laid on my living room floor and sobbed before the Lord mm. and cried at all the hurtful things my dad had done. Mm. And in that, released them to the Lord. And that brought a lot of healing for me. And in our relationship, it did take a quite a while mm. before we got as close as we are now and a lot of loss. My brother died in 1997 of an accidental overdose. And my dad and I got a little closer after that. My brother, pretty substantially mentally ill, and my mom mm. fought tooth and nail to get help for him, mm. but really couldn't. And that's a whole other story that I won't go down. <laughs> but it... My, as my dad and I were getting closer, I just thought, you know, this is very similar to my relationship with Jesus because mm. the father had to lose a son for me to get close to him, God the Father. Mm. And my mom had leukemia. And after the loss of my brother, she just couldn't fight it anymore. So I lost her mm. two years later. And then my dad really stepped up to the plate. And I don't know if there was some sort of revelation, but something internal happened where he started putting more into relationships. And even when my brother died, he and my brother were two peas in a pod. And he said, you know, I didn't love him more. He just needed more. Hmm. So that was very helpful for mm -hmm. us. And I knew that. 
I felt like he liked him better, but they mm-hmm. were so much alike. You know, it was just kind of a natural thing that happened. And one Christmas, I had recently shared this story. I was watching A Christmas Carol and with Ebenezer Scrooge. Mm-hmm. And I got mad at God. My feelings were so hurt. And I knew it was just a movie, but I was like, if you, you can give people epiphanies, you know, Mm. why don't you do that for my dad? Why Mm. don't you give him a change of heart? Like for this man in this movie. Mm. And I was just really crying and upset and knowing it was wrong being mad this way. But then a couple of years later, I was watching a Christmas Carol again and my dad had completely changed. And then I started sobbing for a whole nother reason because God did change his heart. And I asked God to forgive me for being mad at him and throwing a tantrum also sobbing because I was so happy because he answered my tantrum throwing prayer that was so disrespectful mm-hmm. in the way that I delivered it. But mm-hmm. now Christmas Carol is my favorite movie and I have every version possible starting from like 1932. Yeah. You've shared a little bit in other contexts about forgiveness and all that you know about forgiveness. And it's so wonderful. So I would love for you to talk a little bit more about how you would maybe define forgiveness um, and what that looked like for you in that process. Okay. I'll start with the kind of three pillars of forgiveness and then how it looked for me in that process. Perfect. Um, Thank you. So forgiveness has three components and one is forgiving the person that wounded or hurt you. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean excusing their behavior or saying they didn't know any better or I shouldn't have taken it that way. It's just releasing them to Jesus and Mm. not holding them accountable. Mm. And I'm assuming a lot of people have heard this, but unforgiveness is like letting, you know, negative experiences and people live in your head rent free. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. it's just, it's just not worth it. Um, Or or taking poison and expecting it to hurt them. Mm. So forgiving the person, forgiving the actions of what they did, and then forgiving the consequence. And an example of that might be a lady whose husband was unfaithful. She forgave the husband. She forgave the affair, but she never forgave what the divorce did to her children. Mm. So that the consequences is huge. And it's usually not what most people think about. Mm. And again, releasing that to Jesus, your emotions may not line up, but you can say, I forgive this person. I'm willing to forgive them. And I release all the consequences to Jesus. And that way it becomes Jesus problem. Kind of the Mm. struggle in that is we are the image of God and God is a God of justice, but Mm. releasing and forgiveness means you leave the justice to him. Mm. And he, you may not see it. I do believe I'll say it in my personal experience, as we mature, we will forgive and we will see the consequence. We will see justice done. Mm-hmm. And that's when you are really able to pray for your enemies because you mm-hmm. know how much God loves you and you want him to be merciful in his judgment on their behaviors against you. Yeah. Forgiveness does not mean reconciliation. Forgiveness means you release them to Jesus and it's not your problem. Forgiveness does not mean trust. Forgiveness is unconditional. Love is unconditional. Trust is earned. Interaction is earned. With my dad, the crying was a big part of it. And one of the things that we do in the ministry, and this was decades before, but when I was on the floor crying, 
I just had pictures of all the hurtful memories. And I just laid those at the Lord's feet and gave them to him. And that's how I was able to release it and release my dad and to really not have these thoughts in the back of my mind when similar scenarios came up that he's going to act the same. I mean, it wasn't 100%, but I can say since that time, which was probably 25 or 30 years ago, there was only one time where a situation came up when in the back of my mind, I said, oh, here we go. You know, this is, this, he's, he's doing this again. I was really able to release it. And the mm-hmm. Lord really did take it. And it, it also gave me a gentleness with him because some struggles that he had, I would be able to approach him in a gentle way and just ask him, well, what's going on with this? And he would never say he was sorry, but the behavior would change. Mm-hmm. And these weren't really things done against me, but they were just things that weren't healthy for him. The first time I heard you talk about those three different components of forgiveness, I was like, why is like, it's so true. And it's so good to because I think of forgiveness, right? Like, I think of forgiving the person and I even think of forgiving the action, but I never think about the need that we have to forgive the consequences. And so thinking through like, I mean, because that's what I think can continually trip us up. It's not mm-hmm. just what happened in the past. It's how the things that happened in the fast, past might continue to like trigger things in specific right. situations or, it, you know, how the hurt is continuing to happen. And I think that's like a really, really crucial thing to like at least be aware of the fact that this isn't necessarily going to be like a one and done yes. thing. I love it. And I love how, I don't know, I can see how you like going through this, I would qualify it as a deliverance process yourself of releasing this has given you such a heart for just to, you know, take this conversation full circle, given you such a heart for helping others find that same deliverance and helping others get to the point where they are wanting to release these things that can, that can really damage and control our lives. Was there anything else that you wanted to to add to that line of conversation? I guess just to encourage people to allow the Lord to heal them. He's Mm -hmm. willing and he's not going to heal you by being angry with you or Mm -hmm. taking you out to the woodshed. Mm -hmm. His correction is very loving and that's what we feel or I would say you will feel when you allow him into those places that uh, maybe you're holding on to and protecting yourself, his healing will be very loving. He's not going to say, well, I told you and you shouldn't have. It will just feel like love Mm. and acceptance and growth. And as we allow him to heal us, we will know that we can trust him with the ugliest, worstest stuff we have. Gosh, that's so good. Anne-Marie, we are running short of time, but I just want to thank you so much for everything that you've shared. I would love for you to tell us how we can support you and specifically like if anyone has heard this and is interested in learning more about deep healing prayer, um, especially if they're in your area, can you give them some information about, you know, how they would look into that? 
Yes. Deep Healing Ministries Atlanta. You can Google it. There's a website. You can make contact there. There's a phone number there as well. We do do phone appointments. So if you're not in the area, we have people from even Europe calling. Wow. Men minister with men. And Rich is the lead. So he will be on the team with women. But if there's something uncomfortable, he'll leave the room. Or we can tell him to leave the room or ask him to leave the room. Right. (laughs) um, It's a very safe place. And yeah, phone, in person, Zoom. There's lots of options Mm -hmm. if you're not in the area. Anna Marie, last but not least, will you tell me one thing that's hard right now and one thing that's great? The hard thing is how a lot of friendships are changing and having to let go of them. Seeing the unhealthiness. Yeah, and I'm sure there's people that I'm in relationship for that I'm not beneficial for them. So I'm not saying it's mm. all just me. Yeah, that's been difficult. Yeah. But it's also free. Mm. Um, and one great thing is, yeah, new friendships and the freedom to talk about things, hard discussions that really we couldn't have in the past before the dual pandemic of racial tension and COVID. Just the ability mm. to be more open And have hard discussions and people, just the value of friendships and relationships and not what we were focused on before, the more material things, I think. Anna Marie, thank you so much for all that you shared and all of your wisdom and for taking the time to be here. Just like to pray over whoever's listening or watching or however it goes. Yeah, would love that. All right. Father, just thank you for this opportunity. And I really didn't mean for it to be a plug for deep healing, but that is my heart. And I ask that those that are wondering about this ministry or know that they need healing, that you would move um, in their hearts and minds and help them to reach out where they need it. And also that you would just deal with them one-on-one in their personal time, help them get the tools that they need. And being in deliverance, I silence the voice of the enemy and I forbid him from forbidding people or tripping them up or putting hindrances in their way from getting help and healing. However, you lead them for help and healing in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Anna Marie. Thank you, Mary B. I love it. You can learn more about Deep Healing Ministries at deephealingatlanta.org. If you're a single Christian, you've probably found yourself in some derpy situations. You know, like when someone you barely know starts talking about your biological clock. It's hard to know how to respond. And it can seem like nobody's talking about how weird these situations really are. That's why I created the Single Christian Derptitude Test. It's like a fun aptitude test for navigating the derpy things that happen to singles at church. What if I told you that you have a social superpower that can keep you from losing your ever-living mind in these situations? Find out yours at marybesafer.com backslash quiz. Thanks for listening, and thanks to Rise of the Gingers for partnering on today's episode. Just as a heads up, I am an affiliate of Rise of the Gingers, which means I get a wee percentage of each sale at no cost to you. This season of Unsuitable with Mary B. Seyfried is produced by me, Mary B. Seyfried. Sound engineering is by Bijoy Ahmed, and the theme music is by Chad Rollinson. That's all for now. Catch y'all on the flippity-flop.